Plato's Gravity, a homebrew podcast. This is Aaron. Hello, I am fellow human Jason. <laughs> Today we are joined by Tim. Tim has been homebrewing for three years and is a member of the Alpharetta Homebrew Club. You can find Tim on Twitter at newtobrew.com. That's N-E-W, the number two, B-R-E-W-D-O-T-C-O-M. We start every show by sharing a beer. Today, Tim chose for us Dragon's Milk by New Holland Brewing. We're very excited to drink it. Tim, why did you uh, choose this beer for us today? Um, I've always been a stout kind of guy, so... Like physically or... Uh, phys- yeah, physically too, but I, I love the dark beers and I love stouts and porters. And first time I had one of these Dragon's Milk, I was like, wow, this is what a stout should taste like. It is, in my mind, a phenomenal beer. That is uh, delicious. I feel like as I was smelling it, I was a little like, where, where is it? it doesn't have as much on the nose as I thought it would. It might be because we poured it a few minutes ago. Uh, sir, I what? disagree. Whole, I love the way this thing smells. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's got that, that the vanilla to it, the, the oak that it's aged in. And quite frankly, for a beer that's uh, at 11%, in my mind, you don't get that alcohol burn from an 11% beer. And a lot of the higher APV beers, you get that alcohol burn. And I, I don't pick it up. So Not at all. What I pick up is like really rich, malty chocolate and a little bit of cherry. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm what I'm what I'm tasting here. Now it's a pricey beer. I mean, no doubt about it. But you know, for the taste, I I don't mind paying for it occasionally. I mean, what? It, so we got a bomber, and it was uh, ten bucks, which is not it's not the it's not the cheapest, but all, all it's also not nearly. I feel like it, the liquor store I go to has barrel aged old Rasputin, which I really want to try. But it's twenty five bucks a bottle, and I just can't. I, I'm not fond of Rasputin, so it's like. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying it's not. It's not one of my favorites. So I prefer, much prefer the Dragon's Milk. Here in Georgia, I can pick up a, a four pack of you know the twelve ounce bottles for. I think I paid fifteen ninety nine for this uh, four pack. I mean that seems that seems pretty not bad for what you're getting. Right. And I think any anytime you get wood, uh, wood. Anytime you get beer, <laughs> yeah. Anytime you get wood, anytime you get beer, hats off. Careful there. Uh oh, that's a different <laughs> podcast. Uh, anytime you get beer that has has touched wood, I, I feel like as a, it's it's not still funny. Jason. Uh, I I feel like you should expect as a consumer to pay more for it because you want to pay the brewer for their time and inventory. That's uh, no, it's you know. Here's the thing about. So so old Rasputin, North Coast Brewing, right? I it's actually one of the first beers I ever had in my life. And this is this is going back, I don't know, two, 10 years ago ish, and I was in college and a guy brought it to not even a party, just a get together, just brought a cooler with a bunch of uh random you know, uh, mix and match six packs with a new thing then, and there were a lot of small breweries popping up, and I didn't know what I was getting, so I picked up an old Rasputin. I didn't really have a taste for beer at the time, and I swear to God, it was like a bag of coffee vomited in my mouth. <laughs> no, I understand that. Uh, a lot of people don't like the, the, the heavier, stronger, dark beers, so. They have it on Nitro at, at, at Black Acre, which is a bar that Jason and I frequent, and oh, uh, it's man, that that it, might be good. It's really good there. I I can't complain. This stuff though, I like I've seen Dragon's Milk. I feel like I've seen it around for years now, and I just don't know why. 
I think every time I've seen it, I've just not been in the mood. You know, I I didn't. Well, I wasn't ready to. I wasn't ready for wood touching. I suppose <laughs> that's 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 what it is. It has. It's very very rich and very very creamy. And I I agree. It doesn't have like the booziness doesn't hit you until you haven't had a sip for about three sec three to four seconds, which leads right. to more drinking of the beer. <laughs> it's so exactly. Good. You got to stay ahead of that boozy flavor. So, Jason, you, you mentioned that Rasputin was your first beer. I think it's one of one of one of. When you started drinking beer, what was your first beer? Or one of your first beers? Okay, my my dad is a doctor or was a doctor. He's retired, right? Sure. Okay. But he um, had the worst taste in beer, and for I, I grew up in California. And his idea of beer, you know, somebody who could afford to buy better beer. But, of course, you know, back then there wasn't all the craft beer and everything. Mm. He always bought Lucky Lager. Lucky Lager. Ooh. Lucky I don't, Lager. Was it affiliated and with the cigarette company at the time? I have no idea. <laughs> Lucky Strikes? I don't know. To this day, I do not like lagers. I'm not a lager guy. I just, if if that's all that's on the menu, I'll I'll drink water. So... I just don't like lagers. And Lucky Lager was just disgusting. Is that even like including the whole uh, resurgence or just not even resurgence, but surge in craft brewing uh, pilsners and lagers? I don't know. Okay. But, you know, I just. <laughs> yeah, I feel like for me, I, I, I was much the same way as, as you are. And then just recently, they started doing some, some hoppy lagers. I was like, okay, well, let me give this a shot. And the first couple I tasted were just not good. And then the more I learned about it and the more I kind of researched what that style was, you realize before the American light lager, lagers were hoppy and they were delicious right. and they were different. And I think I've come to really appreciate when people do like a German Pilsner where it's hop forward, but then it's really clean like a lager. But I'm sure that Lucky Lager is not something that I would be interested in, in acquiring a taste for. <laughs> no, definitely not. So. I, and I don't know if you could get it out outside of California. I don't even know if it's still brewed anywhere. So, so what was your first beer that you brewed? The first, okay. So, as I was saying before, we got going on the podcast. I, I've got a phenomenal mother-in-law, and and she um, calls me up mm. early December and asks me what I want for uh, for Christmas. And um, I have a coworker who's who's a uh, home brewer also. I, or I should say, was a home brewer. Chris, oh. if you're listening to this, you need to get back to brewing, buddy. Come on, Chris. Absolutely, Chris. You brew a couple batches. We'll have you on the show. So he just happened to bring in um, to work the catalog. He had been trying to get me into home brewing, right? So mm. he had brought in the catalog from Midwest, and it was sitting on my desk when my mother-in-law called and said, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And I had the catalog sitting there, and I said, a home brew kit. Yeah. And right. uh, four days later, a package arrives from Amazon, and... I'm told by my mother-in-law, do not open it till Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> so she's gr- that's that's my favorite thing. Like when they give it to you early, but there's rules for opening it. Right. Yeah, I, I already had the brew brewed and uh, bottled before Christmas ever ran around. And so it was, the rules are just so so. No, that sounds yeah. like a, you had a good Christmas. Is what that sounds like. I did, and it, it was. Uh, I want to call. I want to say it was like Midwest uh, front porch amber ale or something like that okay i will be honest with you that was the first and last time i ever bottled beer <laughs> okay all right straight into the straight into the kegging after bottling that that batch of beer which i still have some of it down in my basement Ooh. i was like bottling sucks i, I <laughs> 
what's the alternative? And then that's when I found Homebrew Talk and uh, found all about caking and keezers and all that other good stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that bottling thing again. So you've been kegging for uh, quite a bit of time now. Yeah, I've been kegging for the, the, the whole three years. So, And uh, like I said, and I did that, if I remember, that it was an amber ale. And, and to go further with the story, you know, I kept drinking it, but I was like, yeah, this beer kind of sucks. And, and I couldn't, couldn't figure out what it was. I ended up getting three more kits from Midwest. There was they had some sale where you bought three kits and you got them all for like each kit for like um, it was like three kits for seventy dollars. Yeah, that's not that's not bad. We got out of the kit game uh, and into the brew in a bag game to to kind of keep our cost per beer down uh, right. pretty quick. And you know, I I brewed the second batch of beer and I I, I think it might have been a stout. I want to say it was a stout. And I was, I was drinking that beer again, and I was like, wow, this really sucks. I, mean, <laughs> I do not like the beers I'm brewing. There's just something I don't that doesn't taste right to me. Yeah. And, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I, I apologize. I think that that's when I actually ended up out on homebrew talk because I, wanted to, I Googled what, what, was the, what was I tasting and, or something like that. I'm, I'm making these beer kits and I'm tasting something funky that I don't quite like. Mm. And I think that's when I landed on homebrew talk. And then they started talking about the whole tang from, from the extract. Sure. The yeah. extract. And I read all about that. And I, I remember going downstairs cause I had two more kits sitting there and I opened up one of the extracts, right? Stuck mm. my finger in it put that in my mouth i was like yeah that's the crap i'm tasting that's it yeah, yeah. and especially if you get those things i don't know how old they were, were could you do they right. have like a, an expiration date on them or anything like that i i can't remember if they did or they didn't and right away i was like yeah i'm not going to do this what's this whole grain thing i'm reading about and i immediately jumped to brew in a bag so and, and that's where i am at this point i've been brewing, doing the brew in the bag method for a long for three years i only did two kits with the malt extract and went straight into a whole grain and brewing in the bag and and i ended up converting those other two kits into um all grain oh so you just scaled them up yeah i just scaled them up fortunately you know the nice thing about midwest on their kits they basically give you all the ingredients right there in the description and i was able to do i was able to scale those two kits up and get rid of the extract i still have those two bottles of malt extract sitting downstairs so it's, in my brew area it's so weird like once you get into brewing those magazines uh catalogs we, like how much fun it is just to look through and like oh look at all these hop varieties look at all this right. yeast that i could be using right now it's just i don't know there's something like uh it's like asmr for brewers I'm sorry. I find it very relaxing to read that particular to read any like homebrew store catalog. Well, I like to read them and say, okay, you know, look at all the kits and and say, oh, that sounds like an interesting beer I'd like to brew. And then then heading out to like home once again. I, I hate to keep pimping homebrew talk, but to go out to homebrew talk and 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 look for a similar recipe, you know, and, and go from there. Yeah. So when you do recipes, uh, how much of it is, I found this on homebrew talk or I found this in a magazine and I'm going to kind of piece it together. And how much kind of creativity do you allow yourself to bring to the recipe? I, well, one of my big things, one of my hobbies is I love to cook and uh, my mom instilled that in me in an early age. So 
I love to cook. I love to take recipes and, and mess around with them and, and make them my own. So I've start, you know, the first year, year and a half, I was letter of law with recipes and now I've started messing with them, you know, changing some hops here and there and mm. some things like that. And some of the specialty grains in there to see what, what I can come up with. And so far I haven't had a dud yet, but, uh, what, one of the interesting things, one of the local big local breweries here is Jekyll Brewing. Okay. Okay. I and they've, name. yeah, they've got a, uh, their, their IPA is called hop dang diggity. And, hop dang um, diggity. Is that how you say hop it? Hop dang diggity. That's right. And they've got a, uh, when my daughter graduated from high school, uh, we'd gone out to dinner that night before the graduation ceremony and we went to a local Mexican restaurant and they had some Jekyll beer and they had a pineapple habanero version of hop dang diggity. Okay. And I said, that sounds bizarre enough to try. So I got a bottle of it and thoroughly enjoyed it. I was like, wow, you know, it had, it had at the, at the end, there was that little bite of the habanero mm. and delicious. And I said, I got to make that. So I, that was the first time I really went out and it did my own thing. I found a nice uh, recipe that was for a mango habanero beer. And I just modified it to be a pineapple habanero beer. And that was my first messing around with. And, and I thought mine turned out better than Jekyll. Sorry, Jekyll. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, actually, it's good that you bring that up because, like, pineapple in beer, I never would have thought would have been a thing. And I don't hear people talk about it a ton. Have you ever had the Ballast Point Pineapple Sculpin? Yes. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. No, pineapple is a great flavor in beer. It's And you get it so much from, like, Belgians where it just comes from the yeast, but just using it as an adjunct, just throwing it in. Where are you... Are you, I'm assuming you're adding your pineapple after the boil? Well, I put in mine, I put uh, two whole pineapples in. Okay. And those, I put them in the blender and I pureed them, right? Okay, sure. Yeah. And I think if I if memory serves me right, I, I don't have my notes in front of me. I use, uh, shoot, what's that software program? You use Beersmith? Beersmith, sorry, yeah. We, are, we are followers of the Beersmith as well. Thank yeah, you, Brad. So ha- Thanks, Brad. <laughs> yeah. And I don't have that in front of me, but I, if I remember right, I, I put the puree. Oh, <laughs> so I did a pure, I pureed the two pineapples with one habanero pepper, right? Because habaneros are pretty, uh, pretty intense, yeah. right? And uh, <laughs> this one, of, this is one of, oh no, he didn't stories. Right? <laughs> so this is my I, favorite kind of story. So I dumped that in. I, if my memory serves me, it was either 10 minutes or five minutes left in the boil. I think it was five minutes because you want to get in there long enough to, to pasteurize it, right? Yeah. Sure. You don't want those and, off flavors that you got from that extract reappearing. Exactly. Right? And, and like an idiot, I got a little bit on my hand. Oh. Not even thinking. I licked it off. Oh, oh, oh that's, you know what, though? That's not as bad as what I thought you were going to say. I was sure you were going to tell me you touched your eye. No, oh. I didn't. I, I didn't because you know that was that. Yeah, I had read all about do not touch your eye with the habanero pepper. So, no, but I, but but licking the puree off my hand was bad enough. Uh, it's a good thing I did not get it in my eye. I thought for sure you were like, and then I went to pee. Oh, that's <laughs> that's that's a yeah. million percent where I thought, and then I had already backed away from the microphone. I was cringing. Honestly, tasting it alone is cringe worthy. Uh huh. I don't know. Uh, ah, but the beer turned out good, right? 
Oh, that beer was like I said. I I think it was better than than the original. So, but that's you know, I'm biased, right? Have you done other stuff with fruit? I found a recipe for a a lemon lemonade or limeade, uh, like a Hefeweizen. Okay, mm. all right. Which was a great you know summer type beer, a good lawnmower beer. Yeah, man, I just love a good lawnmower beer. Previous oh, listeners will know that I'm uh, the I'm a I'm a quite a basic bitch. I like the <laughs> I I love the Sierra Nevada Pale. It's just like I'm out mowing the lawn and ah. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sorry, I bumped the microphone with my headphones. That's, sorry about that. That you know what? Uh, we invited you here to drink. So, <laughs> oh, it, it is eleven percent. So. It is. It is a big old boy. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Though. It's 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 really good. I haven't had a stout in a while. I haven't had a Yeah. Well, I, I'm glad I was able to introduce you to something. Oh, very, very good. So I think uh, we talked about some of your successful beers. We talked about how do you uh, outclass the professional guys with the uh, pineapple habanero. So let's uh let's swing the pendulum a little bit and tell me the story of your worst beer. My worst beer. Yeah. Uh, I've only poured out two kegs. So um My God, uh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a recording of taps that I play when I... Um, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. You know. Jason, you're finding um, taps for this. Is taps, is taps... Are we allowed to play that for free? We'll find uh, out. All right. If uh, not, then it'll be in the show notes. Yeah, there you go. Um, I, hey, taps has been around. It's got to be... It's got to um, be open uh, domain. What are they called? Common law or whatever, you know? Yeah. It's been around for thousands of years i think the romans played taps right <laughs> the romans played taps <laughs> yes it's the gladiator theme song that's true exactly yeah. no so it's funny because in the in the questionnaire you had for uh to come on the podcast right yeah yes for my brewing story sure I, yeah and and i mentioned what i call the battle of georgia right we had some my, my, my in-laws came over for dinner and i i got a late start on my brew day and I was brewing outside. That's where I did all my brew. And I had a, a nice propane uh, burner and, and everything. And I was brewing outside. I, it, the brew day got, got away. It was one of those just bad days. And I was, I was doing a uh, porter. Okay. All right. I got, I got the wart all done, you know, pulled out the bag and everything. And I completely forgot about the in-laws coming over for dinner. And my wife comes out on the back porch and says, hey, you know, my mom and dad are here. It's, uh, you know, time to get dinner going. And it's like, oh, crap. So I put the lid on on the brew pot, you know, after I'd removed the grains and just let the wort sit and, and cool down. And, you know, the in-laws ended up mm. leaving about four and a half, five hours later. And at this point, it was pitch black, dark, and it was middle of the summer. So this is a start and stop brew day. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I, I have a halogen work light type of setup that I plugged in and, and pulled it all outside and got, got it lit, uh, got the, you know, the propane going again and, and brought it up to a boil. And I will tell you, Georgia has a lot of bugs and apparently the bugs love wart. Why wouldn't they? Sugar water. That's so good. Sugar water. It was for the next 90 minutes, it was a complete battle. I'm standing there. I've got the, my my lid to my pot as my shield, and I got my my you know 30 inch stainless steel spoon in the other hand, and I'm just going to battle with all these bucks. And every last one of them found my my uh, my wart. It's like inverted um, Don Quixote. Yeah, it, <laughs> and that was my first infection. So. Ooh, what? 
So did you? So you fermented it? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I, th- I thought you know, you know, I, hey, I'm a novice brewer at this point, and yeah. you know, it went through the boil, so uh, yeah, everything's cool, right? Yeah, uh, no, I remember, un- you know, getting ready for the keg, you know, kegging of it, and I, I use a fast fermenter conical, okay, uh, which I love. You know, I remember unscrewing the top you know, before kegging. Now I don't even do that. I, I use a closed system. I still use the fast fermenter, but I do a closed system now and, and purge it with CO2. So you're kegging, keg. you're, you're kegging under pressure. Yeah. I'm kegging under pressure now. David um, Bowie and uh, queen would be proud. <laughs> and, uh, I remember unscrewing that lid and looking in and going, Holy crap, that doesn't look right. Let's keg it anyways, though, and, you know, see. You know, well, hang, hang on a second. It didn't look right. What did it look like? Have you ever looked at the moon at night, a full moon, and seen all the craters and just the way it looks? Are we and... getting romantic right now? I have. <laughs> we are. When we look up at night, are we looking at the same moon? We are looking at the same moon. Okay. Uh, I believe this is a, a very good country song. Does that blue moon... <laughs> Ever shine on you, Jason? So wait, so there was no, like this a... is more like this is more more like the moon looked like an infected <laughs> thatch of beer. Oh, that's so it's like there's a beautiful film on top, or is oh, it... It, it was a nasty film with, okay. with with craters in it and and raised mountains of bubbles and just nastiness and All I right. kegged it anyways. So so how many people drank it? Uh, how many people drank it? Yeah, sure. Me, myself, and I. So this is one of the two kegs that you've dumped, I, I presume. No, actually, actually, I'll admit this on air. I took a bottle of it to the um, to the Alpharetta Homebrewers Group. Nice. Okay. And some of them drank it and said, "Hub, oh, nice sour." Yeah, yeah you're damn right, right they, they did. Just, one of the things that I've learned, we we're I'm relative. Jason has brewed for longer than I have, but we brewed together for about as long as I've brewed. And one of the things that I have learned is don't name the beer until it's done. like especially because we don't have a lot of fancy equipment and sometimes we're just brewing beer we we have a concept we have a thought and aaron has a thought and then i show up to help carry the bag jason is the best sous chef of a brewer in the world uh we're really on the same level but like sometimes we have a beer and it ends up not what i envisioned but it's good and then i just rename it it's a good uh it's a good plan but how how long ago was was this like uh three years ago was this when you started brewing like right after you switched so so i um started brewing in december and that was probably sometime during that summer okay so if you and and that by that was the last time i ever brewed outside Oh, so did you go electric? I got an induction top. Nice, nice. nice. So so I have the uh, Advanco 3500 induction cooktop. Love it. I do all my brewing inside in my basement, and I've never looked back. I I have, you know, a hoist for the bag. I tapped into my rafters. I got a nice pulley, so to heft that bag out of the uh, pot. Ooh, that's... That's a lot. To, that's a lot nicer than our get the ladder out and then hold it up while I squeeze the bag. Yeah, we we have a uh, Jason is the pulley or I'm the pulley depending on what day it is. The nice thing with the pulley when you you got because because once again I'm brewing by myself. The nice thing is with the pulley, you, you, I got a cleat on the one of the uh, studs in, in my basement and you know I just tie it off and I have it hanging over the pot. And the nice thing about this is now you can twist it instead of squeezing it, right? So you twist it. The twist is key to the brewing a bag method. 
method. Yeah, so you get a nice twist going, and that's that's how I get to squeeze on. <laughs> that's how I get to squeeze on. Hey, this is maybe a this is maybe a little bit of a technical question, but well, what kind of efficiency do you see out of doing biab? I'm not seeing much of a draw. You know, I, I I'm fine with what I'm getting. I, you know, Bruce Smith is telling me I'm up there in the eighty percent. So that's solid. Jason and I are around seventy percent uh, with a nice with a nice squeeze. Uh-huh. But are you are you doing do you do anything to control your temperature during the mash? How are you managing that process? Um, I sit and watch it the whole time one of the things i do is i've got i've got a 16 gallon um bayou classic pot you know with the ball valve you got a big boy so you're doing five gallon Mm -hmm. batches right yeah i'm doing five gallon batches i've only done one 10 gallon batch because i wanted to see if i could it's that's close that's quite close there with all that water yeah it was cutting it close but i do five gallon batches and i've got a one a nice little cheap little pump and i do i recirculate Okay. So, and I also have a lid over the top of, I use a, a, I got a piece of, I went to Home Depot and got a nice thick piece of plexiglass and I have that over the top of my pot. So I'm, when I'm recirculating and I just, I sit there, I'll be honest with you. I sit there the whole time during mash and I, well, not quite there and I keep an eye on the temperature. So, you know, it, it's an investment. It's an investment of time. It's an investment in money. So I want to keep my eye on it. I don't want to, you know, walk away and come back later and say, oh, did it work? Right. So, and, and I'll, I'll pop the top every 15 minutes and give it a quick stir. So, so when you're brewing, are you using, um, are you using treated water or are you using like water out of the tap? I bought off of Amazon. I bought a, well, okay. I'll go back in the story a little bit. I went to a local brew pub Hmm. and I talked, I talked to, you know, on the same water source that I'm on. Okay. And I and and I asked the guy this because, you know, reading on homebrew talk how everybody treats their water, you know, yeah. put salts in it and gypsum and all this different stuff. So I went to a couple of homebrew pubs that are on the same water source that I as I am, and I asked them what you know. I talked to their brewmasters and I said, "What do you do with your water?" You know, because I wanted to find out what they were doing with it. And sure. they said, "Absolutely, absolutely nothing." We just both of these guys said we just filter the water. He said, "You know, we got good water here in Atlanta, and we just filter it." I so, love that. The terroir is coming through. So what's what's the name of the brew pub? Let's give them just a little shout out. Hop Alley. Hop Alley in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, right? Yeah. And I so I um so basically I bought a uh, hose for drinking water for off of Amazon and I mm-hmm. bought an R- RV filter to hook to that hose and I just use that to filter my water and from from my spigot in the backyard and carry it inside. I'm uh I've got on my list of things to do is I'm going because my um, my indoor setup in the basement is right next to my water heater and I'm going to get a plumber to come in and and put a tap into the line feeding the water heater so I can I don't have to go outside anymore and I, I can do that. So, so. you, you kind of hit close to my heart. I, I think Jason and I tend to be like equipment junkies at heart. But we don't pony up the cash. But you seem to be an equipment junkie in the true sense of the word. And what I always like to ask the equipment junkies that we have on the show is if there was one piece of equipment from your setup that you were forced to brew without, like which would cause you the most pain? At this point, it would be my induction uh, cooktop. I, I mean, I, I don't want to go back outside. I don't want to deal with all the bugs. And, <laughs> and, 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 and you know, the I, Battle I this, of Georgia. The Battle of Georgia. And I also had this vision of a, there's a lot. I got a, 
my property is about an acre and I got a lot of trees on it. There's a lot of birds. And I'm like, if a bird shits in my wart and <laughs> and no one's it, around to hear it. Wait, and that's... no one's around. No, but but if it tastes really good, how the hell am I going to replicate that next time? Uh, there are many birds, I guess. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. You know, what did he did, eat? Did you we know, just have a berries? bird shitting in the wart? And the question was, how can we make that happen again? What did the bird eat? I didn't even think about that. Hey, if it's an award-winning beer. That's, I mean, I, I so that's actually a fun a, a, a fun point. Do you, so you, have you entered competitions? No, I have not. I, I don't have the um, guts to do that yet, so... You are in, in good company. Plus, since you don't bottle, I think that's what makes it harder. You have to buy the, the beer gun. You have to add to your equipment, I think, to effectively oh, enter the competition. Absolutely. Right? So one of the things that I thought was really interesting uh, that, I, that kind of sparked our connection with you on Twitter is you you were taking a sip of an 18 month old stout that a Russian imperial stout that you had in a, in a keg for 18 months and I just felt like that would be an incredible act of discipline. Can you talk about that beer? So I just I got the five gallon pot with the, the kit right. It you know came with the five gallon pot and I did those first beers on my stovetop in the kitchen right. Sure. And then then I bought a uh, 10 gallon pot that when I moved everything outside and I was working on the propane. And then when I got the 16-gallon pot, it was like, hmm, I need to do a big beer now. And yeah, so, you need to do a big a, beer. What's a big beer? Hmm, I like stouts. Let's do a, a Russian Imperial Stout. And I, I found a recipe on Homebrew Talk, and, and the guy specifically said, you know, he said it, it takes six months to age, and the longer you let it de-age, the better it'll get. I ended up, you know, I put it in the keg, and I let it self-carbonate, too. When I kegged it, I put some uh, corn sugar in there to let it self-carbonate. Okay. Sure. And, you know, once about once a month, I'd walk over to it in the basement and, and pull the, um, the CO2 release valve for a second to let it burp. And, uh, you know, I, I just put it in a part of the basement where I don't go very often, and it was able to sit there. And I let it sit there for a year, and... Uh, when I finally put it in the keyser and, and had a taste, I was sorely disappointed with it. I was like, oh, good God, I waited a year for this, and, and it, it didn't taste very good. Oh, that's and, too bad. Yeah, I was, very, I was very disappointed. And so I put that, you know, but I left it in the keyser, and, and just the last, the last beer I brewed was a, uh, was a couple months ago, and, and um, I brewed a, uh, an Irish Red. Okay. And I was, I was like, okay, I got two things, you know, I, I, my, my keyser had gone out. My, my original keyser I built, I bought a, a, a freezer off of Craigslist and that, that freezer went out and I was able to find one at Home Depot that the collar would fit because I didn't want to have to build a new collar. Sweet. Mm -hmm. But when I got that new freezer home and, and put the, the, the keyser together, for some reason the inside was a little bit smaller and I could no longer fit my four kegs in there. I could only fit three kegs in. Oh, that's a travesty. It is, but it's only me drinking, drinking the beer pretty much. So <laughs> worst things have happened in this world. Yeah. Worst things has ha have happened. So the last thing I was like, okay, I've got to, um, clear a, a, a keg for this next beer. And so I, I can't, can't remember the other one I had. I, I tasted each, right. And th this, so now, you know, that the, the Russian stout had sat in there for another six months and I, I pulled off a, a glass of that. It, 
was awesome. It was delicious. I was like, wow, okay, I guess it just needed to rest another six months. And I've been slowly enjoying it now. So I if mean, you are an incredibly patient brewer, uh, you can follow uh, com on Homebrew Talk. Find the recipe he's talking about and brew that bad boy. <laughs> Exactly. But it, it, it needs, he was right. The, the guy who created the recipe, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't give him any credit because right now, because I don't remember his name, but he was right. The longer you let that beer sit, the better it gets. Well, and the other thing is when you took your other beer, the one that had gone real funky to the homebrew club and people were like, oh, that's a nice sour. And like, it wasn't really your thing, but that's a trendy beer right now. Yeah. I'll be honest. I don't like sours. I go back and some of them are good. I feel like I'm happier with really sweet sours than I am Uh with super dry sours, which is not the way I am with wine. I don't know why. I feel like for me, the sour movement has it is no good if it's like a like super acidic. But when you get like the Britannomyces, which I don't think is like sour, I think it's like funky, but it Mm. it gets all kind of called the same thing. I'm super into the funky beers. And I didn't even know that I liked them because people would say, oh, here's a sour. And it was so acetic. And I was like, I don't want to try that. But as of late, I've been trying to broaden the horizon. And the funky stuff that's not so acidic but has like that just kind of dank character, I'm kind of okay with that. My funky taste for beer goes to, to Belgiums. I like I like Belgiums. And I like you know some of that funky yeast that, that Belgians do. And so. Do you like wheat beer? Eh. Okay. All right. That's fair. It, to me, to me, it's a middle of the road beer, and it's like I, I won't say no to one, but I won't brew one either. I think that was like the first like weird beer I ever had was the Yazoo Hefeweizen, and Yazoo is one of the I think there might maybe one of the first microbreweries out of Nashville, and Nashville people are gonna call me and be like, "Bro," and we like stop calling me bro, and they're gonna be like, "But you're wrong," and I'll be like. Uh, sorry, that's going to be the entire conversation. A Yazoo, huh? I'll tell you what, I'm going up to Nashville next weekend, so I'll try one for you. There's actually, oh, I can't even, it was an old either car factory or industrial complex where they used to be located at. Now it's a different brewery. Yazoo, I think, it left there because the space was too small. So now the brewery that is there in the space they used to be I can't remember what they're called. It's something to do with gangsters. I remember their logo is three gangsters, and they brew and distill. So you can three get... gangsters brewing? I don't know. It could be. They have really dope hats in the logo, and they also make hard liquor, which is a thing I guess that like uh, breweries. I don't know. A couple years ago, seemed like that trend started happening where more and more breweries were also making hard alcohol. I, I, one, of the, one of the things I've done, I've made a few batches of mead. So Oh, oh a little honey yeah. in there. A- absolutely. Fairly easy so to do make you, mead. Do you just use like, uh, like you go to the grocery store and get the giant bears full of honey? <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. You, you can get really cheap honey at Walmart. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> wink, wink. So have you made... Have you made like a bear mead? Is that what we call it? Like a squeeze bottle bear mead? Yeah, there you go. That's what that's what it's called. So in a more realistic sense, like talk about like so like no, we we've never gone into this. What is it? What does it take, and how is it different than making beer? 
Once again, I'm pimping homebrew talk. There's a uh, there's a uh, recipe thread for they, I, if I remember right, it's called Jom or something like that. Okay. It's a very simple mead where where basically you use honey and some oranges and I want to say a little bit of cinnamon and something else. And and you're not going to believe this, right? You 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 boil in some water, of course. Right? You boil it all together. That seems you fair. put it you put it in your 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 jugs and you use. You ready for this? Born Bread ready. yeast. Bre- so baker's yeast. Baker's yeast. You're- baker's yeast for the mead. For the mead. It's a very simple mead recipe. It's delicious. You know what? Uh, I feel like that's. I'm okay as a person who bakes bread. I know that I can make alcohol with that yeast. Yeah, I don't, absolutely. I don't. Like, I haven't just because, like, Aaron's going to be over here being like, don't do that. Oh, that's not the, like, the yeast with the, the stuff. Like, a satchel is never a thing I want. Like They sell it in satchel bottles, of yeast. sir. Oh, do they sell Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want a satchel of anything in my beer. A satchel. Oh, that was. Uh, I think my brother's brewing experience. My. You, you don't. You don't use Safflaw zero five. Um, now, honestly, we actually. To be fair, we have come around on the dry yeast bandwagon because the dry yeast is way better than it used to be. And I feel bad for all the people who started brewing twenty years ago. There's way better stuff now, and it's delicious. Yeah, no, I, I'm still. I, I've gone the other route. I, yes, they are delicious, and they they work great. I just, for you know, I built myself a starter, you know, spinner out of the computer fan and everything. So you know, I just get a kick out of getting my yeast going with you know using the liquid yeast and using you know creating a starter and all that other fun stuff hold on did you, you know? just say you made a stir plate out of a commute out of a computer fan yeah i want to hear more about this for for about ten dollars you can get all everything you need to make a stir plate on amazon okay continue and <laughs> you basically get these 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 two magnets right yeah. And you attach the magnets to the, uh, the the fan blades of a computer fan, and you put those in a box, and you have a plug in, and just Google stir plate, you know, D- DIY stir plate. All right. Okay. So you've got a you've got a you've got the fan. You've got the magnets hooked up to it. I'm assuming. And you can buy the stir bar and the the Edemeyer flask off of Amazon, and you just you know, it's all there. Sweet. It's probably it's probably le- ten bucks is probably the wrong. It's probably, le- but it's less than twenty dollars, and you can build your own stir plate. Yeah, twenty dollars is certainly cheaper than what you could get a stir plate and an Erlenmeyer flask for at your local homebrew shop. It's just running off five volts electricity. You know, you have to buy the right plug. But you know, any one of the DIY stir plate articles that you come across is going to give you a parts list. And everything can be bought on Amazon, and it, it's a it's a whopping hour long project. So, so here's the question: you you have a conical fermenter, right? We already talked about that, right? So, do you harvest yeast ever? Have you reused your own yeast? Yes, I've I've harvested yeast, and I've also um, harvested yeast off of I I decided I wanted to do a Bell's Too Hearted Ale. Okay, you know, we all want to do a Bell's Too Hearted Ale. <laughs> And you can har you can harvest in and grow the yeast out, out of a bells. Oh, because of the whole like if God wanted us to filter our beer, he wouldn't have given us livers. Right. All right. So so y- you harvested yeast and made a bells too hard at ale. Yeah. Why not? How did it turn out? It was decent. Okay. 
now it turns out that that you can pretty much somebody cracked the the case of the of what yeast bells uses and you can just buy it's i can't remember it's white labs whatever but you know it was still fun to harvest the yeast you know yeah. that takes to, to to drink a six pack and take the last the bottom inch of each bottle and and throw it into you know and save it and then you know create a starter wart and and, and grow it from a tiny little baby to a full-grown you know set of yeast and yeah it's it's actually kind of interesting like i wonder because when they were a small brewery they probably didn't have the equipment to engineer their own yeast which is a thing that larger breweries typically have is they can sort of customize the yeast to whatever it is they want because they can absolutely just, but with, so they started and they could probably only do whatever y labs or what are the other big yeast white labs, white labs y yeast. and um why yeast is the imperial other is new in the game Oh, Imperial with the cans, although we've talked about... The no, old... they went away from the cans, Jason. That's so They have pouches fine. now. It's fine. Uh, but, <laughs> like, so they, they started with the, like, the commercial yeast, and now that everyone... Because, like, Two-Hearted was the beer that... Well, Two-Hearted and Oberon. People get excited about Oberon. Guys, it's fine. I'll tell you, 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 you made me think when you started talking about yeast and smack packs and everything. I'll tell you, one one of the main reasons why I bought a stir plate, mm-hmm. or created, built my stir plate, is I hate smack packs. Oh, really? Uh, I have found it difficult to smack the smack pack. Like, you try to start smacking the... Like, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it moves to every corner. Every fucking corner is the pouch. As I said earlier, I'm a stout kind of guy, and... Uh, when you have a, when you hit it hard enough that you blow oh. up the smack pack and you have yeast in your face. Um. Ooh. So I, I've moved. So this is a pro tip. I have moved to the cupped hand around the smack pack and just a, a little hammer. Uh, shout out to Y Yeast. It's a great product. Every time it makes great beer, but it is sometimes more difficult to smack than the package would lead on. So what I end up doing is I just I don't smack it I'll I'll take it and I'll pour it in my Edelmeyer flask and then I'll take the the nutrient package out you know dump it in my star sand and then cut that and pour it into the uh, flask with my starter. So oh, all right, that works. I mean, and I feel like if you if you are going to use a starter, that's always the way to go. There's no reason to smack it if you're just going to feed it into a starter. Absolutely. Well, and this is so the the benefit if anyone's listening and they don't know why you would use a smack pack. The benefit is, over time, you can actually see that the yeast is alive before you add it to the brew. Because right. the, the pack starts inflating. It's kind of like when you proof the yeast before you make bread. But, uh, one, I've never had the smack pack not work. I've also not yet had the dry yeast not work or the other liquid yeast. Some liquid yeast comes in a can. So it's it's fine. You do you. I think we're on kind of the—I uh, mean, we use smack packs sometimes. But we're not we're not married to the idea. The nice thing with the start the starter and the stir plate is you also know if the yeast is viable too because you'll end up with a crossing on top of the um, starter. Just yeah, you can see it. You can see it working already. So I have a, I have a question. You, you have really pumped up homebrew talk, which is something that Jason and I have used frequently. Jason might tell you that I've used more frequently. Uh, I do the research. He's the sous chef of the beer day. I hold the bags. He definitely holds the bags. Ah. In addition to homebrew talk, is there a beer author or a beer book that has kind of informed you as a brewer outside of the homebrew community? No. 
<laughs> you know, what, what's the, the, the one book that every home brewer, how to brew uh, by John Palmer. Right. That, yeah, yes, I have a copy of it, but I'd rather be a doer than a, than a reader. And, okay. and, you know, so that's, that's just me. So do you have any, so, so if you're a doer rather than a reader, do you have any recipes up there on homebrew talk? No, I haven't shared any of my recipes. I mine are guarded family secrets. Damn it! <laughs> guarded family secrets. I know, uh, comma. Damn it! I, I'm not one of those nice homebrew guys who shares everything. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm honestly. There's a little like I'm. I'm a little okay with that because I feel like the resurgence in homebrewing and craft brewing is you get craft breweries, you get microbreweries that serve small regions with beers that are unique to that region, even if it's the same style. It's still unique, given they'll they'll do something different, or they'll mess something up, and then they'll have to keep doing it. And then you have the option of having your own family recipe. I think that's great. Like I'm I'm totally down for that. I like I like the fact that so many people are so willing to share. But you know, you can keep one for yourself. Absolutely. I'll tell you the 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 first I want to say the first real all grain that I brewed was a um, the the owner of the homebrew store. Uh, it's Homebrew Depot in in Alpharetta, and okay. Bob the the owner of it. I told him that I really like stouts and porters, and he gave me his porter recipe, his his personal porter, his house porter recipe, and and I've brewed that several times, and that's just an awesome beer. So. That's really that's uh, really uh, it's good business by the gentleman who runs the homebrew shop in Alpharetta. Yeah. You see, they uh, it takes only products that we sell right here. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I think it's been it's been a really uh, fantastic interview so far, which means that we want to throw a big wrench into it and see what Jason's off the wall question, which is our favorite segment, has for us today. Jason, can you please ask an off the wall question for Tim? Okay. So let's say that you're, uh, how old are you in second grade? Like what age is that? Let's say second grade would have been 1972 for me. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you my age. Let's see. Second, so you that's would be 1,972 years old. Good. Okay. Right, so you're so in second what grade. Is that? Eight, eight, eight years old, eight or nine. Okay. So you're eight years, you're eight, nine ish. Okay. You're on the bus, right? You're riding mm-hmm. the bus. It's a chilly winter morning. And you're riding to school, and you live in a rural area. So you're one of the farm kids, right? And right. you're driving around. You're not driving around. The bus driver's driving around, okay? Because that would be weird. You're eight years old. Stop driving. And the aliens from outer space come down from the heavens, and one of them levitates out of his UFO that you see out the window and he breathes onto the glass and it leaves steam in the glass and he writes something in it and it's in reverse so it's weird but it's also in english what does he write take me to your leader damn okay <laughs> that's the first thing that popped into my head so that seems fair that's who who, who is the leader i'm assuming he means the bus driver which is absurd because like the bus driver's right there like why is he <laughs> that seems like the alien could have just gone 20 feet forward i don't know did you sit in the he back could of the have. Bus? he could have i i would have been i would have been in the back of the bus so damn right because you're cool 
I was one of the cool kids. You were the cool kids in the back of the bus. That's where I sat. Oh, gee. I, I was about two heads taller than the rest of the second graders. So. so one of the things that we didn't get to earlier in the episode that I wanted to talk about with you is you, you talk about being a solo brewer and you, you've been married for 30 years, which again, congratulations, and you have a family. So for, for me, brewing is really about sharing beer. And you've talked a couple of times about how you brew alone and you're the only one drinking the beer. So like... Can you talk a little bit about like why it is that you brew beer? Why do I brew beer? That's a good question. I like beer. Beer is good. It's the I've best always, answer. <laughs> it's the best thing. It's the nectar of the gods. Nectar of the um, gods. This is the first nectar of the gods reference on this show. Everyone clap. Nectar of the gods. Woo-hoo. I've always been really interested in in science fiction and fantasy. I've always, you know, Tolkien and, and everything else. And, you know, from, from a young age. Mm. Always interested in fantasy. And to me, you know, I like the dwarves and dwarves drink, drink beer. And that's why I got into brewing. <laughs> How many I, of your beers are named by the names of dwarves from Tolkien, from Tolkien lore? None. None. I um, feel like the Gimli, the Gimli Stout is your next beer. Yep. I, I, I don't it, have the permission to actually name your beers, but that's what you need to do. They have other dwarves, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Thorin. It could be the Thorin <laughs> Stout. I don't care. Oh, he is no, versed in Tolkien. No, no, oh God. No, I don't I don't know. Thorin sounds more like a a a IPA, you know, kind of a, a New England style IPA. Gloin. Gloin. Gloin stout. <laughs> I feel like you've you've challenged me. The Thorin IPA. I'm gonna have to rock that out. There you go. So dwarves brew beer, so you brew beer. so you haven't named a beer after is that. It, has that ever that, how how's that for a, a a a reason to brew beer, right? I mean, I, I feel like inspiration I, I feel like wherever people find inspiration to brew beer is amazing because it's so multifaceted. It tastes so different from brewer to brewer, and there's so many things that can happen when you brew beer and share beer. So if you haven't named I've, a beer after after a character, how 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 has that inspiration changed you or of informed you as a brewer? It sounds like you want something really deep and insightful right now, and I, I just nah. we I mean we we did all have dragon's milk. <laughs> we we had dragon's milk, eleven percent APV. I'm Man. sorry, I can't come up with something. My for side you beer was one. just six percent. How does so. how does Tolkien man make you brew the the beer with your brew stuff? Yeah, you got to put a little orc blood in everything you make. So well, I mean, there was bird shit. <laughs> earlier there was bird. well yeah there, there was possible bird shit so um, so you know the possible bird shit that that that's uh nazgul mount um shit beer <laughs> nazgul mount shit beer if you don't name a beer that i am calling shenanigans shenanigans is a technical term <laughs> what what i'm really going to request one so we have we, we have some listeners to the podcast uh and i hope that all of our listeners will um confront us with the uh torments that we have done to jr tolkien's work and give us either better ideas for brew names bring for, it nerds for jr tolkien's beer or you can just judge us for talking so much about jr tolkien but what i want to do when i do want to get to is our mailbag segment so uh, every episode we ask a question from one of our listeners one of our listeners is one of my uh current co-workers who has listened to one of the unreleased episodes his name is connor and he has asked uh he himself not a home brewer has asked if i were to begin home brewing how much beer could i make in a year legally I had to do a little bit of homework, but before I share with you the fruits of my homework, Jason and Tim, uh, take it away. That's state by state, so I don't know if I can drink that much beer. 
That's, so it doesn't really matter. I think, the, yeah, my answer is too, too much. So interestingly, Wikipedia, which is the greatest source for everything, says that most states allow you to brew 100 gallons of beer per person in a household up to two persons, so a maximum of 200 gallons of beer. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to brew that much in, in one year. What am I going to do with 100 gallons of beer? Drink uh, it. Drink it. Oh, yeah, that's accurate. Just that's for fine. comparison, for those who don't understand gallons, that's about six and a half barrels or 13 kegs. Not like the six kegs that homebrewers use, but like the kegs you buy from the from the liquor store. I like the idea that there are people out there who can't measure in gallons, but can measure in kegs and barrels. It is, it is, it is an impressive group of people who can only measure in this way. Uh, I did look a little deeper into the liquor laws. As Tim suggests, it is by state. As near as I can tell, according to the Homebrewers Association website, which very conveniently lists the, the homebrewing laws for every state. Again, homebrewersassociation.org, amazing people who support homebrewers. Most of the time, if they have laws in your state that are for homebrewers, they have worked hard to get them. So they list those specific laws in Indiana. The answer is you can brew as much as you want at home. I did not see a Fuck limit. Yeah. Most yeah, states, I, it is 100 he, or 200 gallons of beer. And then I did, I was just looking around and I noticed that if you lived in Alabama, that would be very sad because you can only brew 15 gallons per quarter, which is not much lower than 100 gallons. You know, you're, still, you're still brewing you know, 60 okay. gallons a year, but you can only have 15 gallons on hand at one time. Here's, here's my political rant. We are talking about the state that wanted Roy Moore. <laughs> that's, that's all I have about Roy Moore. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that. That's, that's, a, that's a Forrest Gump and a Roy Moore reference all in the same two to three minutes. There is there's a little bit oh, of Oh, yeah. Like, I wanted one. I kind of wish there was one state that just mandated you have beer on hand. Like, somewhere in the south. I don't know. Alabama. It, is that who we're literally uh, just talking about? Yeah, no, Alabama, you're only allowed to brew 15 gallons per quarter, and you can't have more than 15 gallons at a time. Uh, what's the state that's right next to there? Mississippi? Uh, Georgia, where Georgia. Tim is from. Georgia. Okay. I kinda... Tim is from Georgia. It's 100 gallons or 200 gallons if there's two adults. Damn fucking right it is. I kind of hey, wish there was one state that was like, and you have to have a gallon of beer on hand at all times because Texas. Jesus, it has to be Texas. Hard. I don't know what the Texas laws are, but I'm guessing that's Texas. Could be. That, that, Texas does have drive-through liquor stores. <laughs> that's right. As long as you, you put the straw in, but you can't un- uncap the straw, I think that's how it goes. <laughs> I think uh, drive-through liquor stores is a good way uh, to end the show. Actually, it's a terrible way to end the show, but we are coming up on time. So thank you today for listening to Plato's Gravity. If you have questions for Jason or Aaron, you can email the show at podcast at platosgravity.com. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Plato's Gravity. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. In the meantime, recruit some birds to shit in your beer, brew some beer, and have some fun. <laughs>